Welcome to Everyday Disciples, where we strive to follow Jesus every day, wherever we are. I'm Pastor Matthew Starner. I'm so glad you're tuning in today on this, our final episode of season one. Can't believe we've made it 10 whole episodes so far. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to these past episodes. And we look forward to coming back in January with a bunch of new episodes for you. We're coming up to Christmas, just a few weeks away. And so we've got some Christmas stuff this week for us. In our first segment today, I sit down with Adam Vanderstelt, and we walk through the Christmas story, looking at the the parts of the story that we've picked up and added to the story over the years from all the Christmas cards and Christmas programs and things like that, and compare that to what Scripture really says about the birth of Jesus. And in our second segment, I sit down with C.J. Jaluso and Aiden Hunt, and we talk about surviving Christmas. Christmas can be a, a difficult time of year for people, with all the different holiday gatherings and memories and things that that come to mind. And so we talk a little bit about how to survive this holiday season and to make it through unscathed, or at least as unscathed as we can be. So we've got lots of great stuff up ahead. Put on your stockings and pour a glass of eggnog and let's dig in. Well, we are getting close to Christmas and I thought it would be a good idea to sit down and kind of talk through the the Christmas story. So I've got Adam Vanderstelt with me here. And uh, Adam, I don't know about you, but uh, this time of year, you know, we it, it's a little bit like Easter. You know, we always come back to the same story over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And uh, the story from Luke chapter 2, which we're going to be reading on Christmas Eve, it's the, the Christmas story that we hear everywhere. Um, there are some parts of this story, I think, that, that uh, we've added to it through maybe all of the Christmas programs, uh, the kids' Christmas musicals. You know, we've got that coming up at St. Matthew here soon. And um, and so the, maybe we take a look at the, the story as we know it and compare that to what Scripture actually says, because I think there's stuff we've brought to the story that isn't really there. Okay. Um, so, Adam, when you th- when you think about the Christmas story um, the, from all the different musicals and things like that, or Christmas programs or Christmas services, uh, how does that Christmas story start? Well, yeah, usually it's like Rome issues a decree, and then some stuff happens, and yeah, yeah. Usually, you kind of got the picture of uh, you know a very pregnant Mary riding right. riding on a donkey, right? Mm-hmm. They, they ride on the donkey. Um, they scoot into Bethlehem. Just in the nick of time, right? And, right. And it's full. There's no room at the hotel. They so then they put them in a barn, right? Yeah, they they get put out in a stable or a barn or something. And whether that's uh, you know the innkeeper gave them that or somebody else offered it to them or they just found it, and uh, they get settled in there just in time for Jesus to pop out and shepherds show up and. Uh, the, the show's over and <laughs> and the, the kids all head off the stage. You yep. know, is kind of the the story <clears throat> the story as we often hear it. Um but there's a lot in there that we've added to that mm-hmm. that's been added just from from culture or from you know filling in the blanks and stuff. Mm. So let's walk through that story. And if you're listening along with us and you're not driving in the car or you're uh, you're at a place where you can open up your Bible, I encourage you to do that to Luke chapter two. Uh, again, like I said, familiar text that we've all heard before, but but let's pay attention to what's here and what's not as we kind of look through. And we're not gonna necessarily going to read this word for word, but uh, kind of just looking at the story. So what does set it off at the beginning um, is this decree that goes out for a census. 
and uh, we there's historical stuff to back that up um, that we know about you know these sorts of censuses and things that happened uh, in the past and we're told that uh, Mary and Joseph went to from Nazareth to Bethlehem because David he, Joseph is of the line of David and so this is he's going to his ancestral home um, it's very likely he was born there that that's why he's going to Bethlehem okay um, which if he's born there what it probably means that he's got family there true still right uh, he may have moved away but it's likely he's still got some extended family there uh, which means he's probably got somebody he could stay with okay as they go there uh, now we're not told as we read through this you know they go together um, he goes with Mary uh, who is with child so she mm-hmm. is pregnant yeah but it doesn't say anything about how pregnant she is. Oh, true. When this happens. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it also says nothing about them riding up on a donkey. Oh, well. You notice that? Yes. Right. That is such an iconic right. part it's, of it, the Christmas story. It's, a, it's, that a, is it's an iconic picture there. that we have. No. <laughs> could, could they have? Possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't say that. Right. That's not you know part of the story as given to us in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some of that stuff that's been been added along there. Um, it, now, it does say, starting in verse 6, that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> well, and even just the, the beginning part of that, of the while they were there, how long were they there? You know, it doesn't say, like, once they got into town. Right. But some point during their stay, um, you know, I've heard from different places, different commentaries and stuff, that they may have spent several months in Bethlehem. Oh, really? You know, this this was probably not a weekend trip um, to get there. It's, uh, what is it? It's it's about 70 miles, um, the distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which traveling on foot, it's going to take you a a couple days to get there. Mm -hmm. Um and depending on how pregnant she is, um, you know, might take a little longer if she's uh, not mm-hmm. able to move as quick. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, they, they could have been there for some time. Right. So this whole idea of like rushing into town, frantically looking for a place in the inn, um, which that's that's another thing to notice. Does it ever mention the innkeeper? Nope, he's not in there. Right. He's a no classic innkeeper. classic character in all the kids' versions. Um, but yeah, there's, there is no mention of an innkeeper. Uh, now, one of the things to note, and this is this is like getting into Bible geek stuff. Um, All right, but indulge uh, us, Bible geek. <laughs> right. So, so that word that's translated as inn, like hotel, um, really, that's that word shows up other places, and in the other places, it's not translated as inn. Okay. Uh, this is like the only place that it is, hmm. and. There's the the history of the translation on it is long and sorted, um, but the word there really sort of means like front room of the house. Oh, houses back in this okay. day, like if you if you sort of compare it to a modern house today, um, where most houses have like a garage on the front of the house where you put the cars. Um, well, your your animals were kind of the cars of ancient Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, in ancient Bethlehem. So you had, you know, maybe you had your family donkey, your family goat, uh, the chickens and stuff. Like they stayed in in most people's homes. They, they had these, like not like a farm, but they had mm-hmm. them for milk, for eggs and things like that. 
and uh, they stayed kind of in that front part of the house. Oh, there was it's like a live pantry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good way to think about it. A live pantry or, or like a garage for your, your goat and your chickens, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of open to the the inside of the house. That way, like, warmth from the animals could be shared and that okay. sort of stuff. Um, you know, houses weren't constructed quite the same that they are today. And, um, you know, so that's that word there. So there's no place for them in, like, the guest room, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so... They she gives birth in this lays him in a manger in that front room that garage of the house. Um, it's a little bit less the picturesque stable out back mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the farmland and a little more you know in yeah. in the the suburban house okay kind of picture here. But yeah, it's it's a so when you really look at the text and you really think about the text, it's a different picture than what we get. Right. You have to imagine in the next scene after these shepherds are going to show up. That if they hadn't told them anything about the circumstances of uh, how Mary got pregnant, they're probably going to say something or have to have some sort of an explanation, right? Why are, mm-hmm. why are all these shepherds here uh, and, and <laughs> worshiping this little baby that was mm-hmm. just born? So in that next piece there, then it moves into you know that classic scene of the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, mm-hmm. um, the angel appearing to them. And you know, I love every time an angel appears in Scripture, almost without fail, uh, one of the first things is the angel says is, don't be afraid, <laughs> because the angel was a fearful thing, right? Right. You know, we have these pictures of these, these uh, you know, blonde-haired, gen- <laughs> gentle-looking people with wings and a nice smile and just a glow about sure. them. Um, the, the biblical description of angels is a little more terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, which is why they always come with that, don't be afraid, fear not. Right. And, uh, and, the, and then the angel brings that, that uh, well-known message of, I bring good news of great joy for all people, mm-hmm. for unto you this day. In the city of David is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is born. And this will be assigned to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And, uh, and then the, the whole host of the angels appear, there's that that song that they sing, "Glory to God in the highest," and then the shepherds go. So they they go check that out. Mm-hmm. Now I had I just happened to go this last weekend to go see the uh, the chosen had a Christmas special oh. that was in theaters. Okay, um, and so my small group who's been watching the chosen, we we went to go see that, and in there they made a comment about. That I had never heard before. So this, I, I, I'm telling you this because it's a neat thing, but I'm also saying that I need to do homework on it to find out was this a little bit of, uh, um, you know, kind of fanciful fiction, mm. or is this was this reality of the swaddling cloths? I've always just read that as that's the the cloths that you would have wrapped a baby in. Mm-hmm. Um, in there, they mention the the firstborn lamb. Was 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 a sacrifice, which that's true. We know that mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. scripture. The firstborn lamb of of a you know female lamb um, that was to be given as a sacrifice and, and one without blemish and all of that. And this is what I'm what I'm not as certain on is there were claws that they used to wrap up that lamb when they would take it off to be sacrificed. And that's the connection they made to the swaddling clothes, that that's what Jesus would have been wrapped in, was because he's in a manger, because he's, you know, in a place where the animals were, that they would have used, or they could have used, 
those cloths to wrap up baby Jesus. Wow. Um, now, there's lots of symbolism there. I'm not sure if that was symbolism for effect uh, or mm. if that's real historical symbolism. Uh, so something I would need to look into a little bit more, but mm. uh, certainly a very interesting and, and I would say maybe a plausible um, connection there mm-hmm. uh, to the story. A great reminder of Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. This might be just me reading into it, but um, <clears throat> you you read in the first, uh, well, in verse 8 there, um, their shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. So this is the night shift mm-hmm. of shepherds. Yep. It's not like the old guys, probably. It's not like the dads who are like, all right, they probably all said just, all right, we're going to bed. It's your turn, teenagers or whatever, right. <laughs> since you stay up late anyway. Right. And and we tend to think of those shepherds as, you know, just like farmers right? who are out there, uh, when in reality, being a shepherd was a little bit more of a rougher mm-hmm. uh, role. Um, you know, I've heard it said a lot of times that the shepherds, shepherds were often like the kind of work that a, like a former criminal mm. could get. Right. Um, it was hard work. It was lonely work. You're out in the mm-hmm. field. Um, you know, somebody else owns the sheep. You don't own the sheep. You're just the hand right. that's there to take care of them and fight off the wolves and mm-hmm. bears or what else. And, uh, so yeah, it was not glamorous work at all. So these are the guys that the, the heavenly host sends to, uh, Mary and Jesus first. Yep. They're the ones that get the mm. announcement. <laughs> right, it's it's to it's to the least, right? And uh, again, praise God for that, because you know, that's that's who we all are mm-hmm. uh, before God. I've also heard that that um, you know this region of Bethlehem, the sheep here uh, were this was this is where the sheep for the sacrifices in Jerusalem were often raised. Oh, was that the sheep came from here? So these shepherds would have un, like they would have known about the whole sacrifice thing because these sheep are being raised to be sacrifices mm-hmm. um, in the temple, and so just another another one of those kind of connections forward in Jesus' life to to what's happening here. One last little piece to to maybe touch on just before we uh, kind of wrap this up here um, in this whole story, which which ends. Just a few verses later in verse 21, you know, with Mary treasuring all this up and pondering it in her heart, um, there's a couple of characters or three characters that don't show up here in this part of the story, but are often part of the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Who are we missing? Uh, the wise men. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wise men don't show up in, in Luke's recording of this. And for that, we actually have to go to Matthew's gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew and uh, Luke are the only two that record anything about the birth of Jesus. And when we read about the wise men visiting, it's a you know it's a completely kind of disconnected story from the story of the shepherds and all of mm-hmm. that. The wise men show up. They go to Herod because they missed the mark. They they know that Jesus is born somewhere. They go to Jerusalem instead of going to Bethlehem. Okay, um, they got close. Yep, <laughs> but they were a little little bit misinformed. Yeah. They're a little lost. Um, these wise men too are we we call them wise men. Um, I think more accurate term is magi. It's sort of the um, what sorcerers mm-hmm. is sort of the the role here. So these aren't like wise kings from somewhere else. These are these are like fortune tellers from pagan lands or whatever. Okay, who, so so less like uh, highly educated dudes and more like 
magicians. Yeah, less like college professors that are okay. showing up. These aren't necessarily not the, not that they're not smart. Sure, but they're just not. You know that that's not. Uh, we hear wise. We think of like smart and real learned people. Mm-hmm. Um, these are a little more like uh, magicians or okay. that sort of thing. Um, they show up. They go to Herod. They get the lowdown on where it is. Um, when they go to visit Mary and Joseph and the baby. Um, it specifically says that uh, they go to the house. Mm-hmm. On going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, mm-hmm. and fell down and worshipped him. Um, now, because of what happens next, where Herod learns that the wise men aren't coming back so that he knows where this baby is, mm-hmm. he goes and has all the kids two years old and under killed. Right, And it's because of that two and under that... We know that the wise men didn't show up on the birth night. Right. They show up much later, as much as two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's whether the house they go to is the house that Jesus was born in, or a house that they've kind of you know moved in with some other relatives, um, that's the place that they go. And we're also not told how many. Right. Right. So so one wait three's not in there. No. We get the three, but it's in the song, right? Right. <laughs> which, which I, I love to point it out with that song. We three kings of Orient are. So in that first phrase, there's three errors. Mm-hmm. There's not three of them, right? Because we're not told that there's three. They're not kings, and they don't come from the Orient. They're from like Persia, right? So yeah, right there, um, three big big errors. Mm. That three comes from the fact that there's three gifts that are mentioned: the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Did you know that there's even a, a tradition that names them, names the three wise men? I did not know that. There is. I, I have no idea where that, where those names come from. Uh, let's see if I can remember. Melchior, uh, Belshazzar, and I can't remember the third one now. Frank. Probably. Frank and Sense. <laughs> um, but wait, there's Myrrh. Um, yeah. We... I, I'm, I'm not sure where that tradition comes from or who, who thought it was a good idea to name them, but somewhere along the line, somebody thought these these guys ought to have some names here. Okay. Um, but that is that is the story. Hmm. That is the story as portrayed in Scripture. Um, so, you know, it's it's always fun to look at, like, the kids' version of it or the those different stories, those different portrayals of the Christmas story. But it's always good to return to Scripture, hmm. to look at what Scripture actually says and and remind ourselves of the the real story because this is a real story mm. that happened in history, and uh, and something that impacts all of us this season. So and always. So mm. I hope that uh, over over the Christmas time, as you hear this story read, probably more than once uh, in services coming up here, that it's a story that speaks to your heart. Mm. That uh, this great gift of love that we have in Jesus Christ, born on Christmas. So so thanks for for talking through this with me, Adam. Appreciate that. I hope this has been beneficial for everybody else, too. Well, welcome back to our next segment. I'm sitting down here with Aiden and CJ again. Uh, we're, we're coming up to Christmas. We're, we're in December now and looking ahead to the holidays. And I thought it'd be good to kind of take a moment to, to brace ourselves for what's coming up here and talk about surviving the holidays and how do we do that and do that well. Um, 
we were we were kicking it around here before we started recording and uh, kind of want to come at this from from two different angles one how, how do we how do we care for ourselves at this holiday time a time where that's often rightly so focused on others um, focused like on Christmas focused on on Jesus um, towards our faith there but also like how do we care for ourselves at this time of year and then also how do we care for others uh, so we're going to kind of come at this in, in two different different sides here. But we want to start talking about how we care for ourselves at this this time of year. Christmas is a time when our schedules often get a little bit, you know, um, just off from normal, right? We've got parties and get-togethers and things like that uh, that come up that sort of disrupt the routine. Um, we're, we're doing stuff that we don't normally do. It's dark. It's usually cold this time of year. Um, how, how do we? How do you guys care for yourselves at this holiday time? Well, like you said, everybody's schedule seems to get pushed very thin during the the holiday period. And I think something that's very important is just making sure you're getting enough rest, just getting the sleep that you need enough to be recharged for the next day, and not be just backing up and backing up night after night because that adds up. And uh, not enough sleep can can spill over into many other areas into your life. It can spill into your mood, the way y- your energy, the productivity that you have, and even the way that you treat people. I've even noticed you know, my spirituality mm. is affected too when I because I'm just not me. You know when I when I haven't been caring for myself in in that way, um, it affects really all parts of of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me at least, it's really important to find a good balance of alone time and um, social time, for lack of better words. I think, you know, when I go home during the holiday season back to Chicago, like I go to family parties and I'm seeing friends who I haven't seen in a while. And I'm like making a lot of plans. Um, and that's a really good thing. And we'll talk a little bit more later about, you know, being intentional in relationships. Um, but also give yourself time just to like, TJ said, rest, have peace, like devote time to prayer um, just having alone time, that's totally fine. Especially me as someone who likes being social but needs that, you know, not isolation because isolation, especially during the holiday season, can be really difficult for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, but just having some time where I don't need to perform and I don't need to to entertain, um, but I can just kind of have some peace and quiet is is really important. Along that line of finding that balance, for, for me, one of the things that I've always tried to remember and try to you know share with other folks too is like allow yourself the ability to say no. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of invitations to things. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to to go to parties, to go to go to different activities and stuff around the holidays, and those are all great things. Um, but it's also okay. You don't have to go to all of them. You don't have to be at all of the things. Sometimes you just need a night where you don't have something going on and it's okay to say no, to bow out of something, right? Um, to, to recognize that. I think too, like uh, holidays can be a time where for, for, for some folks, maybe um, that we, we all, our, our emotions get a little closer to the surface, right? Hmm. Um, around the holidays, how Christmas for, for whatever reason, I've never really looked into this, like why this is the case, but like Christmas for many people is all about nostalgia, right? Hmm. Trying to recapture that feeling of that you had as a child um, around the holidays, around Christmas. 
and and it could be a time associated with family, with with different traditions and things. As time goes on, you've got family members maybe who are have passed on or no longer part of that. Uh, it could be a time where we remember those folks with a little bit of sadness. Um, maybe it's even the first holiday that we're we're coming across this now where we've lost somebody that we love and now there's going to be an empty chair around the table that somebody was there last year mm-hmm. and so i think like acknowledge those feelings um a- acknowledge how you're feeling around the holidays um you know maybe find somebody to talk to a, a friend or or a pastor or even somebody more qualified if it's if it's something really difficult that you're you're dealing with or carrying mm-hmm. through this um to, to process that, you know, oftentimes I think we think of the holidays as just happy. They're just happy times. And for many folks, they're not, uh, they're happy, but they're, but they're mixed with, with all sorts of other things and, um, acknowledge that and, and recognize that you don't have to put on a pretend face and pretend like everything's okay. And yeah. don't carry that alone. I think another important thing is, like related to that, especially is your body's input and output. So be mindful of, um, I mean, you're going to have plenty of time to eat a lot of good food and, um, really treat yourself and just enjoy the holiday festivities. Um, but be mindful of how that's going to affect like your sleep schedule, how it's going to affect, um, your actual like bodily function and how you're feeling physically. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, be mindful of how much you drink during the holiday season because you don't want to add to any of those emotions you might be feeling and heighten them too much. Sure. I'm not, I mean like enjoy responsibly. Absolutely. But be mindful of it and know that, that could mm-hmm. have an effect on you as well. Yeah. Um, but also try to get some exercise. It's kind of hard. It's even if you're a, a regular exerciser, it's harder to be active during the winter months because it's so freaking cold. And like you look at it outside when you're at work and you're just like, I don't want to go to the gym today. Like I just want to go sit on the couch with a blanket and, not do act- right. action. For the, for the I want 18 hours of darkness that we have. Today. I want to do the opposite. I want to be non-active because just it's mm-hmm. gross out. Um, but it, it would be helpful, and it's good for that hormonal balance to to be active. And I think we forget that as disciples, as everyday disciples, you know, stewardship involves our whole self, and that includes how we care for our body, um, how we how we care for what God has given us. And so, yeah, we want to we want to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the holiday is is uh, certainly a time to remember that. Now, kind of shifting gears, um, we're also around a lot of other people at the holidays. How do we care for others well at the holidays? A way to care for others is just kind of being mindful of their thought processes. We don't all think about things the same, so maybe people have a strong opinion on something that you believe is false or or just isn't the way that you see things. And so it's a, it's very important to just be mindful of everybody's perspective mm-hmm. and of everybody's like individual situations that they've encountered going through their lives. I'd say remember who has family and who doesn't have family and just be very mm-hmm. intentional with invitations. Mm-hmm. Um and if people say no, like, that's great. Like, I think just them knowing you have invited them into your home or into the home of your family and just being very generous with what you're inviting them into could make a world of difference in somebody's holiday season. Sure. So, yeah, be generous with invitations. Because sometimes just being asked yeah. lets people know that you're thinking of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't come, you know, that's maybe not a, that's not a slight on you necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sure they will be, be grateful yeah. that they were remembered. 
I think, you know, like, like in the first part of those things that we talked about, you know, be aware that the holidays are going to be hard for some folks. Mm -hmm. And if there's somebody that you know that this is maybe going to be a difficult time for them, find a way, you know them, you know, maybe better enough to say like, what, what's a way that I could reach out to this person to come alongside of them and support them at this time of year where things might be difficult for them. Um, that's going to look different for each person out there. So can't really give a, a blanket suggestion other than look for those opportunities and take them. Yeah. I I'd say look for opportunities to serve. Um, um, especially around the holiday season. I mean, at all times of year, but I think the holidays can be really difficult, especially for, um, the people in our city experiencing homelessness. So finding ways to, to serve them and help them during the holiday season, um, even strangers, people we know, but people we don't know, um, I think could really use a lot of love and, and care, especially during these cold and these lonely, these lonely months. And above all, just be nice to people <laughs> for crying out loud. Be nice, smile, you know, hold the door for folks. The little, the little like common niceties, pleasantries and stuff, just just be nice to folks. Uh, so many folks are rushing about and, uh, you know, under a lot of stress at the holiday times. Just be that ray of sunshine in their life because we all need that right now. Yeah. I love to just ask people what they need help with. Hey, mm-hmm. do you need help with something? Mm-hmm. And just see in their mind, think, oh, I do need help with something. What yeah. can What can he help me with? Yeah. Yeah. There are little things you can do too, mm-hmm. like... Pay for someone's drink in line at Starbucks behind mm-hmm. you. Leave a big tip for a server at a restaurant. Yep. Like little things that are just not a ton of work for you to do, but like would mean a lot to somebody who is is the, is just there and maybe isn't having a great time or a great week or a great holiday season. And that's part of what we do as mm-hmm. everyday disciples, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we care for those around us, and, and it's not all about preaching the gospel to them every moment of every day. Sometimes it, it's just being nice to them and mm-hmm. loving people, um, doing things for them that would bring a smile to their face. And if we get a chance to tell them how much Jesus loves them, great. But sometimes we can just do a nice thing as a nice thing, too. So. All right, great. Thanks, guys, for, for talking a little bit about surviving the holidays. I hope you've, you heard some ways to care for yourself, to care for others here this holiday season. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.